You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Chicago Bears are cleaning up their roster and tweaking their coaching staff with a couple of smaller transactions to kick off the month of March. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter, at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at LockedOnBears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook, or join the Locked On Bears Facebook group. On the show today, a salary cap casualty that we might have seen coming, but will still have some important implications for the rest of the Bears' defense, as well as a coaching addition that should have some important implications for the offense, including one position group and really one player in particular that I wonder if could be a little bit more at the focal point of the addition of Tom Herman, and then we'll look at some NFL draft thoughts from ESPN's Mel Kuyper, bringing some perspective on what he sees the draft board shaping up like as far as who could be available and who won't be available for the Chicago Bears if they're going to stay at 20. I'd be remiss if I didn't touch on briefly J.J. Watt making his decision on which team he was going to sign with. I don't think we had too many grander illusions of grandeur for the Chicago Bears to be able to land him at this point as most of the reporting kind of came out. It didn't seem like they were really one of the teams in the mix, but I guess I don't think the Arizona Cardinals were necessarily one of the teams right there in the mix for J.J. Watt. We all kind of thought and had heard that he was looking to win a championship and that he wanted to go to a big contender sort of now later in his career. So the Arizona Cardinals don't exactly fit that mold exactly. They're perhaps a team on the rise, but not a team that has had any sort of proven success anytime recently, certainly not under this current regime. So clearly strongly financially motivated by a very lucrative deal to the Arizona Cardinals, one that the Chicago Bears were not in a position financially to compete with. They've got a lot of bigger decisions to make this offseason, bigger fish to fry, a lot more on their plate, and signing J.J. Watt to a contract like that would be a luxury and probably be a, a slightly foolish use of money given where they need to spend elsewhere and the limited amount of financial flexibility that they have at this point. So no real surprise they didn't come to the Bears, and perhaps a good thing for the Bears that he didn't go to the Green Bay Packers, but a little bit of a surprise for the Cardinals and certainly the financial money there. Good for him for forgetting as much as he can at this stage of his career. But the Bears, on the other hand, are more in the market of reducing salary as opposed to adding it on with a big name like J.J. Watt. And ESPN's Adam Schefter reported on Monday that the Bears are going to release cornerback Buster Screen. He's a name that has been on any and every cut candidate list for the Chicago Bears because of his salary, but also his level of performance. He really has underwhelmed as the Bears slot cornerback. I believe he was set to make or set to cost the Bears around $6 million this year 
and releasing him saves about half of that. I think $2.7 million is freed up right away as a result of that deal, which is, technically speaking, less than half of what he owed. It's $3.3 million in dead money, so it's not even completely a purely financial decision there. There's clearly something to be said about the level of play. If Buster Screen played better this season, they might not be as inclined to make this cut, but I think it was a combination of Buster Screen's struggles and also some development from Duke Shelley in the slot cornerback spot. And it's a particularly important spot. And so I, I don't know that this is all about Duke Shelley, right? I think this speaks more to helping the greater defense as a whole and the Bears' desire to upgrade at that spot even beyond what they had with Duke Shelley because it, it felt like for a lot of this season, the slot cornerback spot was the weakness. It made Kyle Fuller's job more difficult. It made Eddie Jackson's job more difficult. It made Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan's job more difficult. They had a vulnerability there that a lot of opposing offenses were quick to attack. And it didn't necessarily go away when Buster Screen was injured and, and Duke Shelley took over in that spot. Shelley, of course, inexperienced in that regard and still promising developing player. But a sixth-round pick in 2019 isn't going to keep me from trying to get an even better upgrade for, again, a critical spot in the defense. Because so often in the secondary, we find that it doesn't really matter where your weak spot is. A quarterback is always going to attack the weakest point in the defense. It just makes sense. And so when you have Kyle Fuller and Jalen Johnson and then Eddie Jackson and this past season, Tashawn Gibson, of course, on the back end, you could kind of figure out down the list, okay, where is your weakest point? It tended to be slot cornerback. And then at times in coverage, a guy like Danny Trevathan just being a little bit old and a little bit slow and a little bit of a mismatch sometimes based on how a guy like Chuck Pagano was going to use him. But as we move forward into the Sean Desai defense, in the Vic Fangio mold, of course, they had a lot of success with Bryce Callahan at that spot when he was healthy. He was a critical part of that defense to be able to really hold down those seams and not be that weak over the middle area. Like, that's where quarterbacks want to go. It's the closest distance between two points is that straight line right over the middle of the field. As soon as you start to have to go horizontal there, it's a deeper throw, a farther throw in terms of yards from where the quarterback is standing to where the ball is going to be. The ball takes longer to get there, and you have less opportunity to make those throws. So it's important to be solid on the interior there. And while I wouldn't just hand this job right over to Duke Shelley or whatever competition you want to have on the interior, if Kendall Vildor is going to be involved with that or Michael Joseph or however you want to work this, I would be looking to upgrade that position. But of course, they've got a lot of positions to upgrade too. So you have to prioritize somewhere and, and perhaps a youth movement could be coming with a competition between some young and upcoming players that still have a lot to prove. The other change we saw on Monday was another new coach added to the staff, another experienced coach coming in on a smaller role. But just because Tom Herman's role will be small, not even a position coach, he could have a potentially important impact on how Matt Nagy runs the offense in 2021. We'll look at Tom Herman's background and what he could bring to this Bears offense next on Locked On Bears. I'll admit, I lost a little cash when J.J. Watt chose to sign with the Arizona Cardinals. I got in on the prop bet at betonline.ag of what J.J. Watt's next team was going to be. Early on, the Green Bay Packers had some really 
low odds. It was like plus 600, I think, when I got in. I thought, great value. I'll throw a couple of dollars that way and, and take that odds of coming to his hometown team and a championship contender. And then as the marketplace shifted a little bit, I got another set of good odds on the Buffalo Bills. And I thought, you know what? Watt's got to end up on either the Bills or the Packers, right? Maybe it could be the Browns, but I like my odds on one of those two teams. Of course, it all goes out the window when he goes to the Arizona Cardinals, and somebody probably bet on the Cardinals as that destination and won a lot more money than I did. But that's the fun of playing at betonline.ag, and those odds are one of the main reasons why BetOnline is the number one place we trust and the number one place we recommend. Sign up today for a free account and enter the promo code LOCKED ON to receive your free 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Tom Herman's title on the Bears coaching staff sounds fairly insignificant, but He's the right type of offensive mind that Matt Nagy should be bringing in to help his offense. Herman, of course, was the head coach of the Texas Longhorns for the last few seasons. He was just fired right at the beginning of 2021. And, you know, Texas maybe didn't have as much success as they would have liked, but he won four bowl games and winning seasons every year. And it still is regarded as a bright offensive mind, was more well-known, I think, for some of the things he was doing in Houston before that. He was the offensive coordinator at Ohio State and Iowa State as well, and one of these kind of fast-rising offensive minds through the college ranks. This is actually his first job in the NFL, and the bigger question is like, why? I'm asking not why would the Bears bring in Tom Herman, but almost why would Tom Herman take this position? I imagine he probably didn't, and he probably did a little bit of the circuit and didn't like any of the opportunities available to him and thought this offensive analyst slash special projects position in Chicago could kind of be keeping his toes in the water, you know, keeping his name out there without having to do the full-time grind of being a position coach or a coordinator or a head coach somewhere that he's not ready to hold that position. So he comes to Chicago in a position maybe not too dissimilar from what they just recently gave to Mike Pettin on the defensive side of the ball, a spot where he can be a voice and a sounding board for the head coach and, you know, whatever these special projects or offensive analysis he provides can certainly be an interesting outside perspective because I don't see any obvious connection to the Bears or their coaching staff, but I do see a smart offensive-minded head coach who can bring a lot of experience and some different perspectives to this Bears offense. And in particular, I circle Cole Komet as a guy that I want to see Tom Herman's influence on. Because, you know, I, I haven't done like, I didn't sit down and do a deep dive on the Texans, the Texas offense from Tom Herman's days. I mean, I, I'm familiar with, you know, his up-tempo scheme and a lot of vertical passing, a lot of spread passing offense that he does. But one of the things that I've noted over the years from Texas and from Herman's offenses, even dating back to Houston, is how they use the same personnel in a lot of different ways, how they like to be flexible with the same guys, but giving a lot of different looks with the same guys and being able to take advantage of some of their flexibility. And a lot of that flexibility 
comes from having a tight end type player who can do a lot of different things and also a running back type player that can do a lot of different things. And so like I think back to uh, at Texas, they had a, a tight end slash fullback H-back player, Andrew Beck, who was not a dominant college player by any means, but he was kind of a, he was sort of the consistent, you know, underneath, he'd, he'd catch it well and he was a good blocker and he could kind of just do wherever you need to plug him into. I think he's a fullback now for like, the Broncos or the Patriots or one of these teams. He went undrafted, right? This was not like a a stellar NFL prospect per se, but he gave them a lot of flexibility in their offense to be able to use him as a tight end, to be able to use him as a fullback, to be able to use him almost like a wide receiver. I mean, he was like, you know, 250 pounds or whatever, but he could help them line up in a lot of different formations. They could put him in the backfield as a fullback with a running back back there. You know, he blocked for... Deonta Foreman for quite a bit of his career and, and had some some nice success in that Texas rushing attack. They could put him in the backfield at fullback and have an eye formation with with three wide receivers. They could put him at tight end and do a single back look. They could put him at wide receiver and go with almost like a four wide receiver type spread offensive look, all with the same offensive players, and they could do it in a hurry-up type system to keep defenses guessing. And I can't help but envision Cole Komet being able to do some similar things. And then when you mix a running back like Tariq Cohen in there that can play wide receiver, not that the Bears are going to adopt the Texas offense all of a sudden, but these types of influences in what Matt Nagy wants to do. So you can have Cole Komet even play some fullback and be that blocker to lead block for David Montgomery or Tariq Cohen. And then you can have Cole Komet motion out to tight end and be able to block on the end of the line of scrimmage and give some different looks. He can line up and play wide receiver and get some different looks. And then maybe you have Tariq Cohen also play wide receiver. And all of a sudden, you can have five guys on the field that can either go an empty set and have five legitimate pass catchers that need to be covered by coverage players and you can't just stick a linebacker on them. Or you can have the running back and the fullback in the backfield and be in more of a power run type offensive look, all with the same personnel. So that's the kind of influence I'd like to see and I would hope, I guess, that Tom Herman can have on this Bears offense. I don't know what exactly Matt Nagy envisions for that role as offensive analyst and special projects. If he's just going to be kind of breaking down tape for them or floating ideas or helping them scout defenses, whatever it might be, I think Herman is the right kind of guy to have in this role to be able to just add a little bit of perspective. You know, like Mike Pettin on defense, you're not going to hand him the keys and say, all right, it's your offense. It's a much, much smaller role than that. But to have his voice in the room with someone who's had a lot of success coaching offense and being at the forefront of some of this stuff, it certainly can't hurt having him there to help Matt Nagy and company. He could also be helpful with scouting a few Texas prospects in the 2021 draft, namely quarterback Sam Ellinger or... How about offensive tackle first-round prospect Samuel Cosme as well? It was some of the topic of conversation of ESPN's Mel Kuyper Jr. on his conference call with the media on Monday, kind of sharing his thoughts on how he thinks the first round will shape up and what that could leave the Chicago Bears from a quarterback perspective and also just available prospects at the 20th overall pick. We'll go through some of Kuyper's takeaways on his mock draft Monday Next, on Locked On Bears. The Bears are still changing out some parts here at the start of March, 
And if you're ready to change out some parts in your vehicle, then you have to check out our friends at rockauto.com. They're a family business that have been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. They've got everything you could possibly need. Car parts, I'm not even familiar with. I don't know what an engine control module is, but I know you can get them for the best price at rockauto.com because a lot of the chain parts stores will actually have different price tiers for the professional mechanics versus the do-it-yourselfers like us. But rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody. So don't spend up to twice as much for the same parts. All it takes is one quick glance at their super deep catalog, but it's easy to navigate too. You just enter your car's make and model and then quickly see all the parts available for your car or truck. Head on over to rockauto.com right now and write in locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Normally, we would have the NFL scouting combine to really kick off the start of draft season, but I guess March 1st can be close enough to the beginning, right? We didn't do a a full-on mock draft Monday podcast yesterday that will be coming here in the very near future, but for now, it's sort of a it was a mock draft Monday for Mel Kuyper yesterday, and it's sort of a mock draft Tuesday for us because we got to hear some of Mel Kuyper's thoughts on what's going to happen early on in the NFL draft. And I would preface this by saying, you know, I have a lot of respect for Mel Kuyper, but he's not the end-all be-all on the NFL draft. You know, sometimes he can be sometimes a little bit of a mouthpiece for NFL teams to get certain information out there. I mean, there's a reason why teams share information. It's not just because they're being nice, but because they want certain information out there. And I, I certainly respect the work Mel does on some of these prospects, but when he starts to talk about where he thinks certain players are going to go, that can be more indicative of what teams are thinking as opposed to just who are the best prospects. So it's always good to take NFL draft analyst comments and, and thoughts with a grain of salt. But Mel thinks as of now that five quarterbacks are all going to go before the Chicago Bears pick at number 20. Of course, we all know Trevor Lawrence expected to go number one. We're going back and forth right now on Justin Fields and Zach Wilson as the number two and number three quarterbacks, but that kind of is where the consensus is hovering with Trey Lance clearly behind them at number four. And then from there, Alabama's Mac Jones is kind of that number five quarterback. But there's some thought that maybe a guy like Mac Jones could still be there when the Bears pick. Probably not that likely that Trey Lance from North Dakota State will last that long, but you can find mock drafts nowadays that have Mac, Mac Jones there for the Bears at 20. But Mel Kuyper said yesterday that he would be surprised if any of those five get down to 20, that he's looking at even like top 10 picks, five quarterbacks all come off the board. It, there tends to be an, an urgency for teams to want to draft quarterbacks, of course, given how important they are in this game in this league and especially the talent at the top of this quarterback draft class could get multiple teams to be desperate but Kuiper thinks if the Bears want to get some of these quarterbacks that they're going to have to trade up not even to get you know Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson or Justin Fields but even the Trey Lance or Mac Jones they might have to go as high as top 15 maybe even top 10 
to still get a quarterback. Kind of depends on if the 49ers also want to trade up into that range or if the Patriots may trade up for a quarterback. You know, what these other teams do will shape what the Bears would be forced to do, depending on if they even are in position to want a rookie quarterback or if they pull off some other quarterback acquisition this offseason. Kuyper did say he thinks Kyle Trask from Florida would be there for the Bears in the second round at the number 52 overall pick. But once you start getting, you know, you're outside of the top five quarterbacks even in the draft, you know, let alone top 10 picks in the drafted quarterback, like you start to get into some serious flaws with some of these quarterbacks. And it's why a guy like Sam Ellinger from Texas that we just mentioned briefly, you know, he's going to be much, much later in this draft, but the Bears will have as much intel on him as anybody possibly could with with Tom Herman literally on their coaching staff. So there's a certain advantage to that. But what Kuyper sees for the Bears sitting at 20 is a strong class of wide receivers. He, he said it's the strongest position overall in this draft and that there's going to be depth in pretty much any kind of wide receiver that you want. So Kuyper's latest mock draft has the Bears selecting Kadarius Toney from Florida, but there's a lot of different options that are going to be kind of hovering all around those picks. And we've seen a lot of mock drafts lately with the Bears taking some variety of offensive tackle or offensive guard. I mean, that, that kind of seems to be the two positions right now that are most commonly mocked to the Bears is wide receiver and offensive line. And a lot of that, I think, will still be shaped by what they do in free agency. You know, if they move on from Allen Robinson and don't clearly sign a replacement for him, you can start to more strongly pencil in wide receiver with one of those first picks because they'd almost be forced to at that point. Or, you know, if the Bears cut Bobby Massey and don't sign a very obvious replacement for him, again, maybe an offensive tackle in one of those two picks becomes a bit more clear or obvious. Not that the Bears tend to really pigeonhole themselves in that way, but you know we kind of had the thought that they were going to select a tight end this past year. That seemed to be the direction that they were trending. You know we kind of thought they were going to have to select a cornerback this past year. You know they as much as it didn't it didn't necessarily telegraph exactly when and where they were going to make those picks. We did have a little bit of a sense of what positions might be of priority for the Bears. It didn't mean it just tends to happen that way every offseason. They can only address so many needs in free agency. So I think Mel gives us a sense of, okay, where are some of the strengths and weaknesses of this draft class? And right now, obviously, quarterback is so strong at the top, but not necessarily deep throughout, whereas wide receiver has some very real depth there. An offensive line has some real, very real depth there. And maybe the Bears take that into consideration as they go through free agency and say, okay, what do we need to prioritize with veteran players and what can we prioritize with rookies? Of course, so much of this is going to be shaped by what the Bears do at that quarterback position. And we're going to keep looking at different Bears options throughout the coming days and weeks right here on the Locked On Bears podcast. So make sure that you subscribe to keep up with all of our daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. On tomorrow's podcast, we are scheduled to hear from both Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace for a Tuesday press conference, so expect to hear some highlights and all the notable quotables from that press conference and what we can take away from sort of this pre-free agency, strange off-season type 
press availability. After that, we will hear from Marcus Mosher from Locked On Cowboys on what's going to happen with Dak Prescott. Are they going to franchise tag him? Is the franchise tag a means to potentially trade him? Is he going to hit the open market? What are the Cowboys going to do? Do they even want Dak Prescott based on what we've heard from Jerry Jones in the past? We'll try and figure all of that out and figure out if the Bears have any chance at what could be the best available quarterback option in free agency. That'll be coming a little bit later this week. And I'd also like to do the same with Locked on Saints and Jameis Winston. Still trying to get a date and time locked in for that as well. So more quarterback talk, more offseason talk, more free agency talk, and eventually more NFL draft talk coming your way all offseason long. It's all a part of our efforts to help get through this offseason with no Bears football on Sundays and make it that much easier to bear down.